Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Miriam Knight, the publisher of New Consciousness Review, where we get to see and review the latest books and films having the greatest impact on the global awakening. The best of them are covered in our online multimedia magazine, and today we have with us two of our top reviewers, Cynthia Sue Larson and Brent Marchand, to talk about the recent books and films that have stood out for them. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hi, Miriam. Hi there. Now, Cynthia Sue Larson is a best-selling author, life coach, and inspirational speaker who is known as the quantum optimist for helping people discover their many possible selves and jump into their favorite lives while staying focused on the question, just how good can it get? Cynthia has been featured on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, Coast to Coast AM, and the BBC, and you can watch her YouTube videos and subscribe to her free e-zine at realityshifters.com. Now, Brent Marchant is a writer, a frequent guest speaker, and lifelong movie fan and student of metaphysics. He is the author of Get the Picture, Conscious Creation Goes to the Movies, and Consciously Created Cinema, the Movie Lover's Guide to the Law of Attraction. His blog about metaphysical cinema and other self-empowerment topics can be found at Brent Marchand's blog, .blogspot.com, and his own website is brentmarchand.com. Okay, guys, we have our work cut out for us today because you have brought a whole bunch of interesting books and films. And, Cynthia, we're going to start with you. What have you got? Well, the first book I've got is a wonderful book called Original Thinking, A Radical Revisioning of Time, Humanity, and Nature. It's written by Glenn Perry, and I know him uh, from having organized a series of language of spirit conferences between indigenous elders, scientists, linguists, and philosophers. And this book is, uh, even if you never attended those those talks which are no longer happening. It's, it's just such a beautiful compendium of the highlights of many, many years of extraordinary conversations. So uh, I think there's a lot of background behind this book, much more than you might just think of someone sitting down and writing a certain book. Uh, essentially decades of experience, maybe millennia of experience has gone into it. But the big idea, the thing that makes it so exceptional, is this, the title, Original Thinking. Because when we think of something being original, we think creative, new, you know, something that's never been seen before. But when you really contemplate the meaning of original, the way that it, um, Glenn Perry is describing it, it's got a much deeper significance. And that's what the book is really about. It's just the fact that what is already here, what was originally here, and our rational thought that we use to sort of explain away everything is actually just a subset of this greater awareness. And this, at this time in history, in society, culture, and for the environment, we need to get back to the kind of restored balance that comes with original thinking. So um, what I love about the book, it's got, it's got poems, it's got cute little stories, fun things that actually happen to Glenn, uh, gathering, uh, sitting by the fire, you know, keeping an eye on the embers or some indigenous elders and so forth. It, it's just so much fun to read. But it also, by the time you finish the book, I think the reader will be transported into that state of mind, which is just as deep and profound as if you've been meditating or 
in the presence of an, an elder from one of the First Nations. So I highly recommend this book. I think it began called Original Thinking, A Radical Revisioning of Time, Humanity, and Nature. The author is Glenn Aparicio Perry, P-A-R-R-Y. I'm so glad you brought us this book because I interviewed Glenn, and I fully agree with you. It's such a wonderful book. You know, one of the things that he said that I want to highlight is that things that are new are not necessarily better. And particularly we who are doing book reviews, you know, we tend to look for the latest, greatest book. And sometimes the wonderful classics, the books that will have tremendous impact, get buried under the flow of the newest books. So when he talks about a radical revisioning, he's using radical in the sense of going back to our roots. And so I just want to echo um, Cynthia Sue's recommendation. Wonderful book, Original Thinking. Okay. Um, Brent, what have you got for us? Well, today I have uh, reviews of three movies that feature uh, mass-created events driven by beliefs and consequence uh, that have all gone on to have significant impact on the way uh, society looks at uh, different groups and, and organizations. And the first of those um, is the movie Soma, uh, which we came out in theaters um, back in January and is now available for viewing uh, on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, it profiles the 1965 events that took place in Selma, Alabama, that led to the passage of the National Voting Rights Act, um, an effort that was led by Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and others, and was backed by uh, a substantial grassroots coalition of supporters, including those who were both directly affected and those who sympathized with their plight. It, it, it's, it's interesting to note that at the time, uh, in the county where Selma was located, only 2% of African-American voters uh, African-Americans were registered to vote. Uh, there were a number of restrictions in place that were trying to keep them down and keep them uh, as a consequence of being adequately represented. And um, the uh, community there said, this has got to change. And they effectively believed that uh, they could gain enough support to bring about a change. Um, and this movie shows exactly how that came into, um, how that came into place. Mm -hmm. uh, it shows the details and the events involved. Um, explore some of the, uh, you know, the ideas from a, a, a philosophical standpoint. But one of the things I particularly like about the movie is it also showed the challenges that these very human figures faced uh, during the course of the story that played out. Um, not everybody got along. There was there some quarreling, there was some disagreement about strategy, um, and there, there were also uh, some very human flaws, I guess you could say, that were being addressed, such as uh, the impact of this on uh, Dr. King's personal life, particularly when revelations came to light about uh, potential infidelities and things like that, which made the challenge that much more uh, burdensome and difficult to get the point across. Um, but they succeeded in the end and led to the passage of a, a National Wedding Rights Act, which stands today as you know, one of the greatest accomplishments of the civil rights movement. Uh, all because people believed that this kind of change was indeed possible. Um, now, there have been many films in recent years that sought to capture the essence of the civil rights movement, such as The Help and The Butler, 
But in my opinion, this one really nails it. Um, it has, offers an excellent depiction uh, of the time and the period from uh, costumes and sets and so forth. Um, and it also features a, a terrific array of performances, uh, most notably uh, David Oyelowo, who plays the lead, um, and also a number of supporting performers, uh, including some fairly well-known artists who are uh, appearing in relatively small roles, like Oprah Winfrey, Tim Roth, Martin Sheen, Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, and it's it's uh, also interesting how um, director uh, Ava DuVernay has really established herself as someone to watch in Hollywood through this movie. Um, the movie was uh, it was nominated for two Oscars, including Best Picture, and it received one for Best Original Song. But it really, in my opinion, deserved a lot more recognition than it got. It was really, in my opinion, the best uh, film that came out in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I also am really glad to see is that the distributors of this movie have been very willing uh, to make it available to school children, um, either through field trips or making copies available to schools so that they can uh, see the history of this particular event and learn from uh, you know, the events that took place. Um, it really is a, a great opportunity for a great learning experience. And I think anybody who goes to see this movie will end up uh, saying the same thing about it. Again, the movie is Selma and available on uh, DVD and Blu-ray and also for instant viewing. Great. Wonderful. Wonderful review. Thank you, Brent. Thank you. Okay. Um, I've only got... Uh, two or three books. So, Cynthia, I'm going to go back to you right now, okay? All right, because I, I do have a whole bunch of today. <laughs> so many good ones. And I'm glad that you mentioned um, in our last discussion about original thinking that sometimes on New Consciousness Review and Reviewers Roundtable, we like the classics. We like to go back. So, uh, with that intro, I've got a book that goes back a number of years. It came out in 2001, but I think it's outstanding. It's called Quantum Change, When Epiphanies and Sudden Insights Transform Ordinary Lives. And what's remarkable about this book by William Miller and Janet Sidabaka is um, that it really describes the nature of, from a firsthand point of view, of what it feels like to go through an epiphany and an insight and because the authors are psychologists, they actually made a study of this phenomenon, which they called quantum change, because what they were noticing in their therapeutic offices, um, I guess originally they just had one or two clients that both had had these extraordinary experiences. And so then the psychologists put out a call in the newspaper, the classified or something like that, and got a number of responses, people who said yes, I've had an epiphany. I've had this this experience. I don't even know how to describe it. It's um, very deep, very profound. It changed my life. So it's kind of like that bolt from the blue where you suddenly see the light, and sometimes quite literally. And so what, what was so amazing to me reading through the book, in addition to how well-written and how well-researched it is, is that it really shows that in a moment it's possible to suddenly have this flash of insight that can change the way you see everything. And uh, when they looked at men and women, they noticed different patterns. Men, uh, the pattern that seems most noticeable is that oftentimes men who had previously valued wealth, achievement, and short-term pleasure traded that in and started valuing spirituality, personal peace, family, and being in service to others and the spirit to God. And women's values changed from 
focusing totally on the family, the career, self-esteem, uh, excuse me, let me back up. The, the, it changed from family and career and trying to fit in. That's what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. And it, it became an interest in growth and self-esteem and spirituality and happiness. So there's a pattern that you can kind of see with both men and women. But I think the big thing that was so exciting to me um, is that one of the experiences was actually transcribed from an audio tape that occurred when someone was driving on the freeway. They did pull over. They pulled the car over. But that person was having an epiphany right when he would happen to be making an audio tape recording. And so what an amazing thing to have in the book. It's just it's the kind of thing you don't normally see. And what makes books fun, that you can read it again and again, um, read through several experiences and go back to that one. So this is not a how-to book. I know oftentimes I love nonfiction books that show you how to get to certain states of consciousness. Instead, it's much more of a book that provides comfort for people who have had these kind of experiences or maybe you know someone that did and you'd like to understand what they've gone through. But these are not the things we usually talk about at a dinner party or even amongst our friends and family. So it really gives validation for people to, to know that this is something happening to a lot of people and it may seem dramatic and intense, but it can start the life of great meaning Great joy, great love. So I highly recommend this book, Quantum Change, When Epiphanies and Sudden Insights Transform Ordinary Lives, written by William R. Miller and Janet Sedebaka. Obviously, having written What Wags the World, I am just um, so uh, delighted to have discussed yet another book of awakenings because it is happening with such incredible frequency and books like this not only give you validation they give you a context for understanding the experiences that you have had before because when when you think you're the only one you start questioning your sanity you uh, just put it uh, aside as imagination but this is where we are evolving to so listen to that inner voice pay attention to the things that are happening around you acknowledge them and let them come into your life let them change your life as Cynthia said um, these people have a much richer uh, more rewarding life focusing on things that they feel are truly important rather than the the superficialities of modern civilization. Okay, um, I'm going to give you a really quick little bite here. Uh, Infinite Energy Technologies, Tesla, Cold Fusion, Anti-Gravity, and the Future of Sustainability it's a collection of essays edited by Finley Eversoul, Ph.D. It starts with a history of Tesla and uh, a fascinating background, going back to his childhood, his, his brother who died tragically, and his early inventions and how they were um, uh, misappropriated and, and misallocated, in fact, um, Tesla has almost been written out of history, uh, and it was just a fascinating uh, 
perspective into uh, the fascinating world of science and energy and engineering at the turn of the last century, from, from the 1850s and 60s onward, I would say. And this go- book goes on to describe um, sustainable technology solutions like um, the Rife technology for healthcare and, and his um, microscope for visualizing uh, down to the level of a virus. Uh, zero point energy, um, Victor Schauberger, John Keeley, um, and, and looking into how these energies could be adapted and really save the planet. Um, there is a lot of discussion of how many of these technologies have been available but suppressed. Um, available because they were back engineered from alien technology. So whatever your personal belief system about that, um, uh, this, this makes for interesting and challenging reading. It's a wonderful uh, compendium and overview, and it is a bit heavy on the science, but um, Cynthia, you probably have read it, and I'm sure you love it. Um, but very, very rewarding, and I think so important for this time to wrap our minds around alternatives to fossil fuels and to know that they are available, not just minimizing uh, the impact, but eliminating the global impact on, on global warming. So, um, Cynthia, have you read it? No, but it sounds marvelous, and I agree with you that we're reaching a point, even though supposedly the fossil fuel crisis, people have pushed it out of their minds for now because fracking seems to be filling the gap. Um, I've been to the Middle East recently, and what I heard there is that those people actually know for sure we need to come up with better solutions, and that's um, very well appreciated um, pretty much around the world. So. It's time to take a look at, and again, this idea of original thinking. Well, again, the theme of old ideas. Because <laughs> a lot of times we think, well, if it's new, then it's better. But um, I love the ideas that Tesla came up with, and they certainly deserve a great deal more attention. And I've heard that there has been some research in Europe um, and also California using some ideas from Tesla and um, just putting this sort of a zero-point field to work. What I don't know too much about the details, but it's fascinating. What people don't realize is just how remarkable his work was. He had a, a, a generator. He developed, really, the turbine generator, and he put one at the base of Niagara Falls. It is still working and still generating electricity all the way down to New York uh, City and, and you know all, all of New England. I mean, this man was remarkable, and his a method for transmitting electricity through the air rather than through cords was never developed because the backers um, that had been funding his work, like J.P. Morgan um, and, and Westinghouse, went on to um, fund companies, but they were much more interested 
in creating ongoing revenue sources than in creating a cheap way to distribute electricity. And where have we heard that mindset before? Right. Yeah, that's been a theme pretty much in all these areas. I think last time we were talking about health, and it came up there, too. Oh, that's so important for for us to be aware, to educate ourselves and each other about ways that we can make our lives better. And that can and should include new sources of energy, but they might be very old sources. So when I say new, it's... Um, <laughs> Newly rediscovered. (laughs) Well, you know, they do show in um, the carvings in the um, uh, pyramids in Egypt, uh, they show these um, batteries um, that, you know, 4,000-year-old batteries that had been lost and then rediscovered in in recent times. So uh, I'm sure many, many technologies are out there that are just waiting to um, pop their heads up again. So, again, this is called Infinite Energy Technologies, Tesla Cold Fusion, Anti-Gravity, and the Future of Sustainability, edited by Finley Eversoll, Ph.D., from Inner Traditions. You are listening to our Reviewers Roundtable with New Consciousness Review reviewers, Cynthia Sue Larson and Brent Marchand. Brent, um, give us another movie, please. Sure. Well, uh, my second movie, my second movie <clears throat> regarding movements today uh, is a documentary uh, titled "She's Beautiful When She's Angry," which is about the rise of the women's movement, particularly from the period uh, 1966 to 1971. Uh, it follows the impact of um, Betty Friedan's landmark book, uh, "The Feminine Mystique," which came out in 1963 we showed that uh, women were not generally happy with the way their lives were going. In <laughs> Imagine that, right? <laughs> um, and, and the movie then goes on to show um, just how this tremendous groundswell of support arose uh, through so many different segments of society and gave rise to so many different um, uh, issues that the women's movement was addressing, uh, including such things as... Um, uh, equal pay and job opportunities, uh, the rights of minority women, uh, the rights of women in the lesbian community, um, and access to information on women's health, especially when it came to reproductive issues. Um, and the one thing that I really liked about this movie is that um, it, it showed how there were so many women who were really unsung that became part of this movement. Uh, certainly, there are, there are many who are well-known, like Gloria Steinem and Shirley Chisholm and Betty Friedan. Uh, and, and there are um, there are some archive footage clips in the movie featuring them. But this goes on to feature many others who really um, had tremendous impact, even though their names are not necessarily um, household words, uh, such as the authors of the landmark book, Our Bodies Ourselves, and uh, the founders of some of the first women-focused publications at the time. And, of course, the organizers of the 1970 Women's Strike March in New York City, which everybody was wondering, is that going to draw anybody into three thousands and thousands and thousands of people? Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, it, it's also interesting to see how this movement drew inspiration from another movement. Uh, in many ways, the women's rights movement uh, got a lot of its um, uh, influence from the Civil Rights Movement, which occurred a few years earlier, which I talked about in connection with the movie Selma earlier. 
Um, so it's really interesting to see how how one movement can impact um, with the growth and development of another. Um, and the other thing I liked about the movie is, it's, is it shows how far the movement has come, mainly by showing some clips uh, from news reports and commercials and things in the period uh, prior to the rise of the movement, which really show a, a downright condescending attitude <laughs> toward women and women's rights, uh, things that no one would even dare speak today, let alone put into something that was so, quite so public back in those days. <laughs> um, so uh, this is really um, really a wonderful movie. Um, uh, director Mary Dorr has, has really put out a labor of love in this film, and it's really worth seeing. It's a little difficult to find at this point. It's been kind of going through a, a rolling release process that began late last year and is continuing through this year. Um, it's appearing at select theaters and film festivals across the country. Um, probably the best way to find out more information about it would be to visit the movie's website, which is www.she'sbeautifulwhenshe'sangry.com. Mm-hmm. Great. Cynthia. Yes. Oh, I've got a great book for you. It's um, This one just came out, or it's in the process of coming out brand new, by Colleen Mora. It's called Spiritual Telepathy. I just interviewed her, too. <laughs> awesome. Well, the synchronicity. Uh, yeah, this one, and this is a how-to book. The other one wasn't. This one is. And this is Ancient Techniques to Access the Wisdom of Your Soul. So then you know how marvelous this is. It really is a book that dives right into meditation practices that we can utilize to uh, redirect energy, for example, from lower centers. Sometimes energy gets stuck there, moving it up, bringing it up through your thought, your speech, and your action. And I love the way she described that and that re- um, directing negative energies and learning to not do that toward other people. <laughs> uh, just really useful, wonderful tips and ideas. I love her nightly review idea in the book. And uh, these are often um, old ideas. So it's these are old ideas in a new book, <laughs> which is awesome. And this idea of the nightly review, the, th- the thing that I like so much about that is you can um, just each day at the end of the day, you've got an incentive to sort of check and see how you did today about avoiding things like gossip, practicing inner tranquility, because things don't always go right. And how did you do in terms of keeping a sense of humor, sense of equanimity, balance, and peace and harmony inside yourself? Um, but before she gets to all that stuff that I like so much, um, the beginning of the book is just a, it's a real page turner, packed with essentials for living a spiritual life. And she really, Colleen takes us on a journey through what might seem very esoteric, mystical wisdom, but she does it in a way from the East and the West that it comes together. And she has such a gentle, wise voice throughout that um, no matter what you might uh, you might have doubts or concerns about some things and never wanted to venture into them. Well, this is a great way to feel embraced and safe, and at the end of each chapter there's some wonderful meditations and exercises that you can do that helps you um, gain this um, just marvelous sweet spot on your personal journey where you can find your own unique gifts and passion and put them together with what are the needs of the world. And I think for any spiritual seeker, that is the ultimate goal, is to find a, a special, unique way that you can be of service. And reading this book, I think, is a great step on that journey. So, again, this is Spiritual Telepathy, Ancient Techniques to Access the Wisdom of Your Soul, 
by Colleen Mora. And I love the title, Spiritual Telepathy. Uh, in writing this kind of book, I guess it's difficult to be original. And there's something so evocative about spiritual telepathy. And, you know, an, another book that, uh, along the same lines, is a small book called Act of Consciousness, How Your Reality is Created and How You Can Change It. It's a channeled book, channeled through Jeffrey and Linda Hoppe, uh, by an ascended master called Adamus St. Germain, which is an aspect of the uh, classical master figure of St. Germain. And I resonated really strongly with this book, maybe because I'm kind of a, uh, an independent cuss and I don't like the idea that we're being judged here on whether we've learned this lesson or that lesson well enough. And um, he just kind of cuts through it all. And what this book does differently from most other books, dealing with sort of manifestation and the law of attraction, is that it presents a picture of reality that is really liberating in the sense of making your particular manifestation of a reality just a matter between you and your consciousness or soul. So you can forget about the past lives and past misdeeds and so on because what matters to um, enlightenment, according to the book, is recognizing your existence in the eternal now and allowing the passion of your soul to just resonate within you and to join with kind of embody uh, within your, your yourself now. And enlightenment is just the integration of the consciousness of your soul into the physical reality of your humanity. And, and the engine that drives your manifestations and its passion that attracts the energy needed um, for your, your latest and greatest manifestation from the limitless resources of the universe. In that sense, this is one of the most optimistic and freeing books that I have read in a long time, and I warmly recommend it. Again, it's called Act of Consciousness by Adamus, A-D-A-M-U-S, St. Germain, um, channeled by Jeffrey and Linda Hoppe. We're speaking with Cynthia Sue Larson and Brent Marchant, some of our top reviewers in our Reviewers Roundtable. Cynthia, I'm going to go back to you. How about your next book? Yes, this one gets into something of a taboo area that affects pretty much everyone that I know, including myself, yet it's something we pretty much, we almost never talk about. And the title of the book is Making Peace with Suicide, A Book of Hope, Understanding, and Comfort. This is by Adele Ryan McDowell, and it's um, like I said, it, it gets into a, it's not exactly a taboo subject, but it's pretty close. <laughs> I guess it's, well, it's something of a downer, so people, you, you just generally don't want to bring this up because it can, it seems like a depressing subject. However, um, as the author Adele Ryan McDowell points out, she is a psychotherapist with um, decades of experience working with uh, people who have been suicidal as well as I've I know that she's done a lot of volunteer work um, right after Katrina, and so she's been on the front lines of working with people who um, basically are survivors um, 
you know, of suicide. And that's what I, that's the way I see this book. It's a survivor's guide to suicide. And you may think, well, what survivor? <laughs> okay, well, it's, it's the families, the friends. And sometimes the suicide attempt might be botched and the person who was trying to kill themselves might still be alive, actually. So there's a tremendous need in our culture to bring healing to this and love and compassion. And I love what you said, Miriam, just now, this lack of judgment about some things that I think people often feel the greatest deal of judgment of all um, because you know, if, if people have tried to take their own lives, it's not usually understood. And so what's great about this book is that uh, it's, the topics are addressed, first of all, from a practical viewpoint about why do people choose to kill themselves, what are some of the risk factors, and some of the things that people claim are their reasons, who's more likely, and so forth. So it's all the, the facts. And then it, from there, it springboards into getting going quite a bit deeper. It gets into the psychology, the compassionate understanding, and tips about what works best to help people who are inclined towards suicide. Because there are warning signals, and a lot of the family and friends have a terrible sense of guilt afterwards, feeling there's something they could have seen or done if only they paid more attention and so forth. Um, but this is a book that get, brings forgiveness and healing for everyone. So you don't need to feel bad that you didn't stop something. Um, just feel good about where you are in, in all of our lives in terms of um, the spiritual aspects too. And that's the other thing I love about this book. The idea of soul loss comes into play. And that's a shamanic term that Adele McDell has familiarity with shamanism. I used to attend shamanism conferences with her where she also would present. And so the brilliant thing here is that there's a discussion of mind-body-spirit interaction, sharing insights and research and personal experiences from decades of experience. So it's a really remarkable book. And then my favorite thing of all in the book is just the personal insights from people who did attempt suicide, sometimes more than once, and, and people poised at the brink of suicide who are still with us. Really what they're doing is calling all of us to be more heart-centered, more spiritual, more caring, more present. Um, and this book has so much heart and soul. I, I think everybody will love it. You'll, you'll gain a sense of peace and forgiveness about a topic that's incredibly taboo and probably has touched everyone who's listening to this show. So I highly recommend it. It's called Making Peace with Suicide, The Book of Hope, Understanding, and Comfort by Adele Ryan McDowell. Thank you, Cynthia. That is such an important contribution that she's made uh, because, as you say, people just feel guilty. They don't talk about it, and it just destroys lives. So, um, Brent, tell me oh. your last film. My last one today, um, <clears throat> dealing with movements, actually deals with two movements that went on simultaneously. Uh, the movie is called Pride, which uh, tells the story of a interesting coalition that was set up in the United Kingdom in 1984. Uh, at the time, the U.K. was going through a very contentious coal miners' strike in which uh, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher was attempting to try and essentially starve out the miners over a contract dispute. Uh, they were having a really, really rough time at the time. At the same time, um, there was also a growing gay rights movement going on in the United Kingdom. And uh, one of the organizers there, uh, a guy named Mark Ashton, was 
uh, growing frustrated at times because he was not able to quite get the, the traction with the movement that he was hoping to get. So he came up with a really interesting idea. He basically said, you know, we can get better results for everybody if we end up joining forces with different coalitions. This way everybody wins. Um, and his idea was for the gay community to get behind the um, striking coal miners. Now, in many ways, this is almost uh, kind of a, a really unlikely duo sort of movie that comes up because here you have very urban London gay activists working with very rural, um, not terribly open-minded Welsh coal miners in the country. It's all uh, mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, <laughs> it, it, it seems like such an unlikely pairing. And when the, first, when the groups first meet, there's a, there's a lot of resistance from some of the locals because um, they're wondering, okay, what kind of agenda have they got here? What's going on? But when they see that they're there to offer genuine support and end up becoming some of the most successful fundraisers uh, for the miners' efforts, they begin to realize that these people are for real. And an interesting uh, bond is forged between these two very unlikely groups. Um, the um, also at one point the, the mine leadership from the union uh, was beginning to show a little bit of resistance to this coalition because they were afraid that the involvement of the gay community in their issue was going to somehow, uh, you know, taint their efforts to get a better deal for themselves. And the locals who had been working with the gay community said, no, you work with both of us or you don't work with any of us. Um, uh, it, it was interesting over time, too, how um, when the gay community needed support in the U.K. Uh, to get a gay rights ordinance passed across the country, it got it. And the biggest supporters behind the gay movement were the miners. So it's a really, a really interesting combination of forces working together, believing that, that change is possible for everybody on different fronts, no matter seemingly how different they might be. And I think it's a really interesting lesson for anybody who's working with any kind of movement to look for a way to build support for it. You know, building bridges with even seemingly unlikely groups can have remarkable results in the end. Um, even though they might seem like they have very different issues, they're both basically facing issues of oppression, and they believe it can be overcome, uh, and and they work together to make those changes possible. Um, this movie really shows that quite well. Um, it's a, a really a fun movie in so many ways, too. It's, a, it's got a lot of laughs in it, um, and... Uh, actually nominated for a Golden Globe for Best uh, Comedy Film, um, and features a terrific cast with uh, the likes of uh, Ben Schnetzer as the, as the activist and Bill Nighy and Imelda Staunton as uh, some of the mining community leaders. Um, and really, it's, it's well worth your time. It's available for instant viewing and available also on DVD and Blu-ray. And it's called Pride. Pride. Yes, not to be confused with the movie Pride from 2007, which was about a high school swimming team. Right. Well, that was fascinating. I'm going to go look that up. Thank you, Brent. You know, Brent, uh, just before the break, you were talking about Pride. And what crossed my mind was 
the great chasm between communities, and until they actually interact, there is always this um, suspicion of the unknown. And whatever can bring different groups together, um, whether it's, uh, you know, evangelicals and gays or, or uh, Israelis and Palestinians, just providing the opportunities and the common cause is so beneficial. Uh, I wish we had more ways to, to encourage that. Okay, well, I, I absolutely agree with you about that, and, and this movie really provides an excellent example of two very seemingly different groups coming together to bring about that result. It sounds wonderful. Great. Cynthia, do you have one more book? Yes, I do, and I, I just love the way the segues and synchronicity keeps happening because um, that movie, that sounds amazing and funny and wonderful. I love comedies, so that, that Pride movie. <laughs> and, and the thing that, that's, but here's the segue, um, it, it sounds like what happened, I, did, I haven't seen the film, but it sounds like people came into a feeling in their heart, that, that same feeling I was talking about, that the people who've attempted suicide wish that we in our regular culture would... Um, really foster and develop and nourish, nurture. And so this next book is all about that. It's called The Power of the Heart, Finding Your True Purpose in Life. And it's written by Baptiste Dupont. He is a lawyer turned filmmaker. So I guess there will be a movie coming out. I there is a movie. It. Oh, I have it sitting on my desk. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, how marvelous is that? Um, because... This, the book was written from the perspective of a lawyer. Um, he was a law school graduate who had um, received a lucrative offer and an employment contract from the top law firm in the world. But then at some point, um, I guess shortly after that, he had an epiphany of the, sort of, of the nature we've been talking about today also. <laughs> and he was just wondering, um, what is this that he's going through? You know, is he trying to succeed at some kind of a life purpose, and what is it all about? It's a kind of question that sometimes can just grab you by the lapels, and um, it, it's it's a huge moment of awakening. So if you've seen the film, it probably shows it clearly. The book is, is probably a different experience. Um, this book is written, it's a coffee table book. The other ones that I mentioned are much more, um, you'd sit down and you could read it um, sort of sequentially, and it might be much more thought-provoking. This book, I'm not saying it's not thought-provoking, but it's in little fortune cookie snippets with short quotes by a number of wonderful um, people who are just luminaries in this field, everything from Eckhart Tolle to Neil Donald Walsh and Joe Dispenza and Michael Beckwith and Gary Zukov, Isabel Allende, Jane Goodall, um, Deepak Chopra, um, and so on and so forth. Maya Angelou is in here too. So what what happened is um, The Power of the Heart is basically a journey. It's a book written in three sections. The first part introduces readers to paths to discovering the language, wisdom, and deep intelligence of the heart. So you can think about it and kind of get in, into your head. The second section is what it feels like to explore the inner awakening of this courage that you get when you start dropping your fear and getting into that love center of your heart, listening to your heart. And then the third part is very much what we've been hearing from Brent today in these movies about how to re-engage with the world, how to get out there in your society, 
and make a change for the better in your relationships, your work, your family, your friends. It really is that call to action of what can I do to serve and to do it um, in that love-based way. So it's it's extraordinary. I think it's a very simple book on one hand. It's, a, it's the easiest to read of all the ones I talked about today. So if you just want a book and you have no attention span, or if you want to get a book for someone and you're not sure they'd read anything like this, this is the one that they'd probably read because it's not a lot of reading involved. You can just flip it open to any page almost randomly and be able to read some beautiful words. There are some portraits in the book of the luminaries. So um, you'll see a picture a full-color portrait on one side and then uh, some quotes on the other. And at the end of each chapter, there is a wonderful how-to experiential section where readers can do an activity, do a meditation, and really experience the activation of the healing powers of the heart. And that's the name of the book. It's called The Power of the Heart, Finding Your True Purpose in Life by Baptiste de Pop and the movie, I'm sure, must be extraordinary. Have you seen it yet? Or? No, I, I have it uh, staring at me, waiting to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And as you say, um, you know, the themes connect. The last book that I have is something called Sacred History by Mark Booth. Um, and it is just a remarkable synthesis and interweaving of sacred texts, um, astrology, alchemy, mythology, uh, folk tales, all plumbing the depths of this yearning of the human soul to connect with magic, with the mystery. It's a real compendium. It's 500 pages. And... It is so beautifully written. Um, for example, you, you read the story of Jeanne d'Arc, of Joan of Arc, um, and you, you read uh, details that you were never aware of. Um, pretty gruesome details while we're at it. Um, he doesn't uh, pull his punches. Um, but whether whether he's talking about um, Joan of Arc or or Siddhartha the Buddha or um, Bluebeard, the, the way he just interweaves all of these stories is remarkable, and it it will change your view of the nature of religion and religious tradition because you see the echoes in all of the different stories. And um, I can't go into much more detail because we're just about out of time. So, again, it's The Sacred History by Mark Booth. I warmly recommend it. Well, um, that is our show for today. Thank you, Cynthia and Brent. It was wonderful. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. I love the movies, the books. It's so exciting. Please join me next week when our guests will be Keith Skeen and Alan Murray talking about sustainable economics. In the meantime, visit our website, ncreview.com. I'm Miriam Knight. Be good to yourself, do good in the world, and let your light shine.